So if you have your Bibles, I want to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, but I want to add a few more things here from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. And we're going to look from verse 17 through 20. Are you there? Come on, you know I don't like a quiet church. Are you there? A quiet church is a dead church. I don't want to talk to dead people. I don't want to see dead people. I don't want that sixth sense. My sixth sense is I see, I see God. I see God. I see God. That's my sixth sense. I see dead people. No, I want to see God. Uh, I ain't trying to see no dead people. I don't know what the obsession is with that. I am, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to see God. Amen? <laughs> Some of you guys are like, what's he talking about? Uh, I like movies. Um, God speaks to me through movies. I see God. Um, all right. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person or a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Today we have baptism. The old life is gone. The new has begun. Amen. That's, that's, I told you last week, that's one of our challenges is to, is to really embrace the new. Because God can set you free, but your mindset could still be the old mindset. Right? And so the challenge is, can you walk into the new mindset? Can you have a new perspective? Can you have a new hope, a new vision, a new, a new reality? Because that's what the Bible talks about. Okay? The reason why some people never see the will of God is that they do the religious thing. They go to a building, but they don't engage what it means to be new. They don't engage the actual uh, walking out the newness. Right? That you don't, you don't stay the same. Right? Why do you take a shower every day? You want to you scrub off the old so you can get the new. Your body reproduces new cells every day. Did you know that? That, that reason why you're so tired all the time is your body's reproducing. Your body's like, I got to kill all the old to bring you new. In every level of life, there's got to be a newness to life. Can you say amen? You know? And it keeps going. And all of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So salvation is a gift. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. You know, people, you, you hear, again, just when you know people are religious, when they tell you stuff like, oh, I used to be an altar boy. Like, congratulations. You might get a brownie for that, but you don't earn salvation because you were an altar boy. Or I got catechized. Awesome. But that ain't salvation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, t- the fact that you're getting baptized today is that you're saving your heart and you're showing it through baptism. Yeah, but baptism doesn't save you. That's right. You know, going to church doesn't save you. You know, my mom was a Christian. Congratulations to your mom. But you're not a Christian because your mom was a Christian. That's right. Right? Like we dedicate these kids and we say, like, they got to have their own faith at some point. They got to have their own walk with the Lord yeah. at some point. Can you say amen? amen? And it says, but I called you to reconcile people to him. And this is where the part of being a blessing comes into play. That God is not just saving you for you. God is saving you to become now an agent of blessings. God is saving you so now you can bless somebody else. And that's one of the, the, the quick ways you can see if someone is really saved or not is, are you blessing other people? Right? Are you helping other people now be reconciled to God as he reconciled you to him? Can you say amen? Look, verse 19, for God was in Christ, reconciled the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Like, you've been reconciled, now help someone else be reconciled. Right? This is not one of those things that you get and you keep it to yourself. Okay? No, this is good news. Good news are meant to be shared. 
right? Good news are meant to be spread, right? Stop spreading bad news. Can we stop spreading good news that Jesus saves, that Jesus rescues people, right? They say bad news travel faster. Well, let's make the good news travel faster, right? It's all a matter of perspective. Can you say amen? And watch this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Wow. That's awesome. Say, once you're saved, now you are an ambassador. What is an ambassador? He represents his nation, or he represents where he comes from. That's awesome. So he's saying, now you represent Christ. That's amazing. Right? So think about that for a second. Monday morning, when you go to work, you are an ambassador. Tuesday, when you're going through some stuff, you are an ambassador. Wednesday, when someone says something crazy to you on Facebook, you are an ambassador. You know, Thursday... When everybody is going after that thirst, you are an ambassador. Friday, when people are creeping, you are an ambassador. Saturday, when people are lazy, you are an ambassador. You know what I'm saying? Like, you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. It's not something that you just do on a Sunday morning. It's something that you do every day. You represent Jesus. You represent the Savior. So people should be looking at you and saying, wow, there's a God. Right? And that doesn't mean you make people believe in God, but your life should reflect God. Yeah. We don't make people believe in God. We can't force people to believe in God, right? But your life should speak, yeah. right? They, they, there's an old saying, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. Let your life speak, right? So when you, when you, when you talk, your words carry weight because your life's speaking, right? Because there's some people, they talk, all you hear is noise. Because you're like, your life is not speaking, though. Come on, talk to me. Don't get quiet on me. Right? My, my words and my actions have to align if I'm an ambassador. I'm representing Christ. Can you say amen? amen? Watch this, right? God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. When we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ to never sin, to be offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Can you say amen? amen. So, the challenge in front of all of us is embracing this reality of ambassador that I don't represent myself anymore I represent God if I have given my life to Jesus it's not about me anymore now I get in the way sometimes because old habits die hard right it's like Bruce Willis man die hard one die hard two die hard three four five it's like man give it up Fast and Furious 18. Like, man, when are we going to give it up? It's been dead since the first one. If you've seen one, you've seen all of them. You know? But at some point, we got to walk into this reality of who we are. Okay? And we got to drop the excuses for what we're not. Okay? We got to stop making excuses and start making moves about who God has created us to be. Right? We got to make up our mind. And that's the only way we're going to see the fullness of God's will in our lives. Is when we embrace the role of being ambassadors for Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. And so we got to operate in this new kingdom, which if you read this whole chapter, Paul is saying this, like you don't walk anymore in the natural realm. You walk in the spiritual realm. The natural realm is what you see with your physical eyes, but the spiritual realm is what you see with your spiritual eyes. That's why he says we don't live by faith. We live by we don't live by sight. We live by faith. That's right. In other words, if you live by just what you see, then of course you're going to be depressed. Yeah. Of course you're going to be angry. Of course you're going to be bitter. Yeah. Right? Because everything you see is bleak. Sure. God's got to give you a new pair of eyes. Right. 
right? To see beyond what's happening in front of you, right? To, that's why when you declare the message, you have to come. You're declaring it in the spirit, not in the natural, right? You're declaring it beyond what you see in with your natural eyes. Can you say amen? amen? And so faith will grow, right? You begin faith by saying, Jesus, come into my life. That's, that's the beginning of faith. That's not the whole faith, right? You begin by asking Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be right with you. I want to live my life for you. That's just the beginning, yeah. right? That's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, what happens is you begin to grow into that faith. You begin to see now God in his fullness in your life as you grow in it. Because the more you interact yourself with God, the more God interacts himself with you. And the more you're in him, the more he gets on you. That's good. Right? So faith grows. Faith doesn't stay the same. That's why Jesus says, have faith like a mustard seed. You ever seen a mustard seed? It's this small. Like you can't see it. But when you see the fullness of a mustard seed, man, that thing is huge. Right? It grows. So you got to start somewhere, but you can't stay there. I see too many people start, and then they stop. We've had people that got baptized, and I'm like, where are they now? Because you don't understand, that was just the beginning of your, of your journey with the Lord. That wasn't the end of it all. That was the beginning. You know, actually, the best was, was yet to come. Right? He was just beginning to reveal himself to you. Can you say amen? So as God shows himself in his interaction with you, your faith will grow. If you look at the definition of faith in the dictionary, it says this. It says, a strong belief or trust in someone or something. A strong belief or trust in someone or something. But I think that is incomplete. Here's why I think that's incomplete. Because a lot of people have a strong belief or trust in something, and that's it. I don't think that's the faith that God wants us to have. Right? A strong belief in something or trust in someone. No, no, no. Faith to me... Has to have another layer. Please write this down. Faith is the exercise of what you truly believe. That's good. It's not just having a belief. It's to exercise that belief. Right? How many people have you, have you talked to, for example, that say, I know smoking is bad for me, but they keep smoking. They believe it's bad for them, but they didn't stop. But you don't understand. It's so hard. I don't know. If I believe something, I'm going to do everything within my power to see it come to pass. I don't want to make excuses for how hard it is. Right? So you can believe something but not be convicted by it. Faith is the conviction that drives you to do something about it. Right? How many people have I heard say things that I'm like, but your convictions are not following what you're saying? Because when you truly believe something, you exercise it. Right? The Bible says you got to work out your salvation. That's the exercise. Right? You don't go into the gym and look at the weights and go, man, this is awesome. <laughs> I showed up. Right? The exercise is what's going to produce the results. You know, faith is the same way. Faith is like a muscle. The more you develop it, the more you see it grow. The more you pick up the weights of prayer, the more you see your faith work. The more you pick up the weights of worship, the more you see God. The more you pick up the weights of giving, the more you receive. You got to pick up the weights. Right? It's not just showing up at the gym and hanging out. Like, I know some girls here, that's what they do. Taking selfies at the gym. You better pick up some weights. You know, that six pack ain't coming just by you showing up. You know, you better get on that treadmill. That treadmill better move you a little bit. You can't be having a donut with that treadmill. You know, I'm exercising. Okay. You got to exercise your faith. 
Okay, because faith really is faith. Is when you exercise it. Can you say amen? amen. So, so part of trusting God, right, is knowing him by experience. We don't trust anyone if we don't know them by experience. It's the same thing with God. How, why is it that some people have more faith than others? Experience. It's not that they're better than you. It's not that they're more holy than you. No, no. It's an experience thing. The more I walk with someone, the more I get to know them. Right? The more you spend time with someone, the more you know them. Right? To the point that, that you marry people. You know what I'm talking about. Like, you don't have to say a word. You just know what's wrong. You just sense things when you know someone. Right? The more you walk with God, the more you discern him. You discern his will. You discern his purposes. Because you are exercising your faith. So what happens when you begin to know God? You get to know three things about God, right? Faith, trust in God's, first of all, absolute power. Okay? Because why? I've experienced his power. So I know he has power available to me. That's why I'm saying a person of faith will never say, the cigarettes is so hard. No, they declare the power over it because they know the power of God. They can break chains. They can break addictions. They can break stuff off of their lives. You don't give power to your struggles. You, 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 you call on the, on, the, on the God that has the power over your struggles because you trust him, because you've seen him at work. Right? And then the second thing, you, you trust his goodness. Life is hard. Life is difficult. But I know God is good. Amen. That's an affirmation that you always got to have. That's true. God is good. Amen. Even when things are going bad, I trust his goodness. Why? Because I've tasted that he's good. Amen. The Bible says, taste and know that the Lord is Amen. good. Right? You don't have to tell me that Chinese food is good. I've tasted it. And I, and I want to taste it today after church. Like I, I, I'm looking forward to more of that. Right? So I'm like, God, man, thank you for making Chinese food. It is awesome. The Bible says every good thing comes from the Lord. Well, Chinese food is from the Lord. It is awesome. And then number three, when, you, when, you, when, you be, when your faith grows and you trust God, you trust for his power, his goodness, but also you trust him for his integrity. That's good. You trust him for his integrity. If God said it, he's going to do it. How do we know God's integrity? Read the word. The word's already been established. You trust his integrity. You know, it may look terrible, but I trust your integrity. You said you were going to come through for me. You said you would make a way where there seems to be no way. You're the God of impossibles. Why? Because I've seen you do it before. Right? Sometimes, you know, we've got to pray, God, do it again. You've done it before. Do it again. Like, you're faithful to do it again. Do it again, Lord. And what happens when I begin to see these things by experience, my faith grows. Now it's easy to take risks because I know he's on the other side. Right? Now it's easy for me to make tough decisions because I know God's been there before. You know, that's what I do when I have to make tough decisions. I go through this list. Man, God is good. God is faithful. God is powerful. I'm going to trust that he's on the other end. Right? When this is three years, I had to trust God that he's on the other end. Right, moving, moving with, with, with little kids and our wife's pregnant and not having a church, not having anybody on the other end. We're like, no, we know God's good. Yeah, come on. And we're going to trust that God is good and he's going to meet us on the other end because he told us to go. He's going to make a way when there seems to be no way. So faith grows, right? Here's the definition of faith in the Bible, not the dictionary because the dictionary is incomplete. Okay, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11. 
says this. I love this. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of the things we cannot see. That's the true definition. It's the things we hope for and the reality of the things you don't see yet. I encourage you, go home and read this entire chapter of Hebrews 11. It shows you how people live by faith and not by sight. Things hope for. Please write this down. Things hope for is what you see in your spirit. It's the stuff that God reveals to you in your spirit, not in your natural self. Okay, that's the things hope for. It is the outworking of what's in the unseen world. In other words, think about this. Let me put it practically speaking. Three years ago, this doesn't exist. We saw it in our spirit that there could be a church in New Bedford that's going to bless people, that's going to encourage people, that's going to heal people, that's going to restore people. None of this existed. It's in the spirit realm that you see the possibilities of what God wants to do. And then you begin to work out. You begin to work out. How do you work out? Well, first of all, we begin to pray. God, show us. And we begin to put a team together of five people. Let's pray. And that five people became 30 people. And then we launch and we took a chance. And God blesses you when you live by faith, when you trust him. It's the things you hope for. It's in your spirit. What's in your spirit? What's in your wallet? (laughs) For real. Like, what's in you that's supposed to come out? Because too many people live in the wishful thinking category. Not in the faith category. What's in you that's meant to come out? What is it that that God is saying? Think about this from a logical perspective, right? When you trust Jesus, you're saying that one day you're going to live with him for eternity. That's the logical reasoning, right? I'm putting my trust in Jesus that when I leave this earth, I'm going to be with him, right? And we imagine what heaven could be like. A place with no death and no struggles and no sin. You know, streets of gold and mansions and, man, all these awesome things, right? That's the logical reasoning. That's where my faith is leading me, right? Because that's the deep wants of humanity is to live without sin. It's to live without struggle, right? It's to live in the fullness of God's will. That's indirectly we're all saying that, right? That's the ultimate hope. If that's so, right? If that's so, I cannot believe. That my faith is only meant to be for the hereafter. What about the now? What about the God of now? What about the God that wants to do some things in me right now? In other words, put it this way. What are some other wants that I have? What are some other dreams that I have? What are some other goals that I have? What are some other hopes and aspirations and desires that I have? Because I believe this. I said it. Every good thing comes from the Lord. If God's putting a dream in you, then he wants you to see it come to pass. You know? Everybody has their dream. Our dream was always to, to, to have a church. We're living our dream. And, and to be honest with you, there's so much more in there. That, 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 that if I say some of the stuff, you have to see it in the spirit. You have to see it in the spirit. What is it in you that's supposed to come out? What's in you to accomplish? What's in you? I, I, this, is a, this is a question that's been the burning question of the last few weeks. What's in you that's supposed to come out? It may not come out all in 2017, but what are you doing this year to begin to activate that? That's going to set you up for 2018 or whatever else God has for you. Like, what's in you that was supposed to be the outworking of your faith? That when you say, I have faith, I'm saying I have faith that this thing is going to come to pass. Not just I have faith. No, I have, I have a faith that is, that is laser-focused yeah. on seeing this thing come back. What is it? Yeah. 
Please struggle with this question. What is it? Is it a better job? A better position? Pay? Is it a better home? Is it a marriage? What is it? What is it in you? Because if you don't have something to strive for, you'll settle for just anything. Because faith has an enemy. The enemy will love for you to settle. Right? The enemy will love for you. See, we, 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 we have bought into the lie that the enemy is this, this, this pitchfork guy, you know, all that stuff. No, the enemy every day is trying to stall your faith. Yeah. Every day he wants to make sure you settle for something less than what God says you should hope for. Every day, that's the enemy. He will say things to you like this. Oh, I don't care if I live in a box. Who cares? God's good to me. That, that's the hope. Come on, come on. Oh, I don't, I don't care if I have a better job. You know, we, we begin to say what he wants us to say. Come on. We begin to confess what he wants us to confess. Come on. As opposed to confessing the things that God wants us to confess. Right? And then we get around people who are jaded and cynical and we begin to feed each other's false prophecies. As opposed to get around some people who are saying, man, I want to live by faith this year. I don't know about you. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed. Oh, that's just being greedy. But how can you be greedy if I don't even have anything? Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to have something to be greedy. Yeah, that's you know what I mean? Like, no, I don't, I'm just, I'm good. What, what, what do you have, though? To say you're good. That doesn't make any sense. Like, to be greedy, you got to have something. You know what I mean? It's not greedy. It's the things you hope for. Yeah. Like, seriously, you got to talk back to that voice and say, what's wrong with me dreaming a little bit? What's wrong with me wanting more for my life and for my family and for my kids? What's wrong with me wanting a better city than what we have right now? What's, what's wrong with having a better hope and a better future than what it is right now? I'm telling you, someone has deceived us in, out of the God-given dreams and hopes. It's a lot of warfare that comes with dreams. Look at Joseph. Look at the stuff he went through because he had a God-sized dream. So you got to expect warfare. You just cannot give in to the warfare. Can you say amen? amen. I want to make it clear to you today that hope is God-giving. Dreams are God-giving. Desires are God-giving. Don't let people lie to you and think you're greedy or think you want too much. No, no, no. You want everything that God has for you. You should want everything that God has. See it in the spirit. What, what is it that God has for you in the spirit? Because that's what you're going to strive for. That's what's going to empower you to live above the level of sin and mediocrity. To live an excellent life. Life full of purpose. Can you say amen? amen. Look, he goes on to say in Hebrews eleven six. look. He says this. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Without having this hope. Okay? Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. Okay? Remember, believing. But here's the conviction. And that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God doesn't just exist. God wants to bless you. God wants to reward you for coming after him. That's the conviction. 
Yeah. I don't settle and say, yeah, it is, it is what it is. You know, I wish I could give this. No, I, I, I don't settle for that. I settle for a better me. That's right. I'm using cigarettes, but I can use anything else that's like, it is what it is. Stop calling it what it is. Stop confessing what it meant to be Amen. the way God wanted you to be Amen. in the first place. Here's a challenge in New England. We think too small. Let me just come out and say it. We think way too small. That's why people get weird when you're like, man, I want to have, can I just tell you one of my God-given dreams this year, this year, not like 20 years from now, is that we're going to be a church of 1,000 people this yeah, year. This year. This year. You know what that puts us in the category in, in all New England? That puts us in a 1% of churches. Why is that? That shouldn't be the case. You go down south, they have a mega church every other place. Why? Because we have bought into a small mindness. Oh, give me a little tiny square church where me and my tiny little square family meets. And God is so good. Look at us. Look, we have a little storefront, you know, with four or five people. And we get each other saved every week. The devil is a liar. That ain't God's will. That ain't God's will. I don't buy into that false humility. We're blessed. We're blessed, pastor. We're blessed. We can't even pay rent. We're blessed. No, no, no. I don't believe that. I believe in a God in above. We can never ask or think. I want a big God. I want a big church with people who dream and hope and believe. You should be clapping and, and thank God that we dream big and not small. We're thinking too small. Way too small. It blows my mind that people get offended that we want big things. You should be offended that we have small things. You should be offended that the average church in New England is 50 people. You should be offended that today Foxborough will be packed, but churches are empty. That should offend us. That should offend us. You should be offended to go to a game. You spend about $200 to go to a game, but we tell you to tithe, and that's offensive? We should be offended at that. That should be offensive. Small-mindedness. We think way too small. We have a church of 700. That's unheard of in the city. In three years, we become the biggest church already. It's not a competition. It's about getting everything that God has for us. It's about believing for everything that he has. I'm not going to apologize for dreaming big. I'm not going to apologize for dreaming big. Because here's the truth. People can hate you if they want to, but deep down they respect you. That's what I find out. Here's what I'm thinking about. I owe it to you to challenge you. I owe it to you to challenge you to come up a higher level. Like, what kind of a job would I be doing if I tell you to settle? And tell you to dream small. And tell you it is what it is. Let's just hold hands and sing Kumbaya until Jesus comes. Like, what, what, what kind of leader Come on. would I be? I owe it to you Amen. to believe that we can do better, Amen. that we can achieve more, Amen. that there's something more Amen. than just coming to church and, 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 and pretend. Yeah. No, there's something more. It's called activating our faith. So faith has to work. It can't be a theory. It's got to be real. I don't want a theory, God. 
Some people get together and they, they theologize God all day long. And I'm like, Man, when you're, at some point, you've got to have legs with those theories. You've got to have something to show. You've know, you got to master's in divinity, but where's the actuality of your faith? Come on. Hey, we debate God all day long. I don't want to debate God. I want to experience God. Yeah, come on. I want to see God. Come on. I want to see his goodness manifested. I want to give you three things that faith will do for you if you activate it. Three things. Number one, faith powers the mind. Faith powers the mind. That's good. Because why? Life happens in the mind. You are what you think. And if you don't renew your mind, you're just going to get the same thing over and over again. That's why people are like, oh, 2016 was terrible. Well, if you don't renew your mind, 2017 will be terrible too. You better renew your mind. Because life happens in the mind. That's the headquarters. Everything you're going to do happens first in the mind. People say, I wasn't thinking. No, you didn't think enough. Because life happens in the mind. Every decision begins in the headquarters of your mind. Every choice. Every action and reaction starts with the mind. You think in terms of accomplishment when you think in terms of faith. That's good. That's good. You don't think in terms of excuses when you're walking by faith. You, you think in terms of accomplishment. What am I going to accomplish this year? But in order to accomplish this year, what do I have to do this week? And what do I have to do this month to accomplish the things I need to accomplish? We're three years old, but the process started five years ago with prayer and fasting and consecration and then figuring out my, my, my most important thing on the agenda was God. Who are the right people? Because they will either suck life out of this thing or they will faith out of this thing. Yep. you got to have the right people around you. You can't just maneuver in faith with the wrong people around because they'll suck life out of you. Something will power your mind today. What's it going to be? You're driven by something right now. You could be driven by fear. You can be driven by anxiety. You can be dri- driven by hopelessness or you can be driven by faith. Something is driving your life right now. This very moment that I'm speaking. What if you start saying to yourself, man, my faith needs to be stronger. What if I start feeding my mind faith? Because your mind's not good or bad, it's what you feed it. What if I start to say to my mind every day, you're going to be a mind of faith. You're going to believe God, but also you're going to act on the belief. What if I say to my fears, you won't rule in this house. You won't have your way in my mind, in my mind, in my spirit. What if I start saying, doubt, not today. I'm too focused today for you to come and ruin my day. What if I start saying to bitterness, listen, I need to forgive that person because you're not going to rule my life today. You're not going to rule my life today. What if I start saying to that part of me that likes to give up, not today. What if I start speaking over me? What if I start declaring victory over me? Because your mind will take you where you take him. The headquarters of your mind is the key. You can't get up in the morning and be defeated and be okay with being defeated. Because you just woke up. It's a condition of the mind. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Tomorrow's not promised. I have today. So I'm going to activate my faith today. Bring this down for a minute. I'm not done. 
I woke up with a sense of determination. Lord, it's been three years, but we're not done. Be honest with you, I feel like we're just getting started. We're just getting started. Number two, faith powers your vision. Faith powers your vision. What do you see? What are you seeing for your future? What are you seeing for this year? You know, normally we say, God, what do you see for me? I think God says, what do you see? Because he said, write the vision, make it plain. What do you see yourself doing this year? Have you written out your goals? My wife and I sat down. We got some goals, big goals. I'm excited. I told her, man, I'm driving home like, man, we got a plan. We got the strategy. I'm so excited for what this year is going to bring for our family and the things that God wants to do. I'm so excited every month to check off the goals and say, look what the God has done. (laughs) Write it down. If you don't write it down, you'll do whatever. And six months will go by, you haven't done jack. Write it down and keep yourself accountable. Get someone in your life that will keep you accountable about your dreams. Don't ask God what he sees. He wants you, what, he wants you to know what do you see. Yeah, good. Your vision needs to be developed. Do you have any sight in mind? How do you develop your vision? You feed it. You feed it. You feed a Netflix all day, you're going to get a Netflix life. You feed it. You sit down, you strategize. Where are we going, honey? Oh, oh, oh. You better get yourself with some pillars. <laughs> you don't have noodles in your life. <laughs> you ever seen those things outside of car dealer places? <laughs> That's some people's lives. That's a noodle. Better get someone around you that has vision. No, we're going this way. We got to focus. We got to drive. We're going. What do you see? Do you see a business? Do you see a book in your future? What do you see? Do you see a a unique ministry that we don't have? What do you see? Do you see a new house? Are you okay with the broken down one? What do you see? Sit down and ask that question, Lord, what do I see for this year? Write the vision. Make it plain. And then begin to work on it. And see the Lord, it won't bless you. Last thing, faith powers your words. It will power your mind, it will power your vision, and then it will power your words. Why? Because there's life and death in your words. People don't realize that every day they self-prophesying. You say it, it is what it is, it is what it is. Why are we surprised when it is what it is, when we keep saying it? Why are we surprised when we don't see anything happen when we keep saying nothing is happening? Why are we surprised that we're sowing that? Of course you're going to reap that. Faith powers your words. And your words create worlds. By faith, God spoke the earth into existence. He created a world with his words. And he says, now I'm giving you the same power to create. What's in your heart will be spoken. Because you can't hide from your heart. That's why the Bible says you got to renew your mind and your heart has to be transformed. Because your heart will give you away. 
Faith is contagious. Faith is contagious. That's why I need the right people around me. That when I say holler, they can say hallelujah. Faith is contagious. Come on. When you get people around you who has faith, man, it energizes you, inspires you. I don't go visit small churches. I go visit big churches so I can have big faith. Why did I go to California? Not for vacation. Because I want to see Rick Warren. How do you do it? Yeah, come on. 25,000 people in the church. That's what I want to dream like. How do you do it? I want to get around some people. Tell me, how do you do it? Yeah. I don't want to get around some people that I, I already know you, how you do it. I want to get around some people tell me, how do you do it? Because I'm, I'm energized by that. I want to do it too. Do you see it? Isn't it fascinating that the people who have faith and speak faith are the ones that get promoted? I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence. That, why are they always getting promoted? Maybe they believe they can get promoted. Maybe they believe that God has something better for me, so I'm going to activate my faith. Maybe they believe. I want to encourage you that your dreams and desires are given to you by God. But it meant, it, it meant to stretch you. It's got to stretch you. If you're doing things that are too easy and convenient, you're not stressed enough. You think that that house is going to come when you have everything lined up? No, God's like, stretch your faith. Go on a limb first and see if I don't meet you on the other side. Stretch it. God wants to stretch you to the person that he believes you can be. But he can't do it without some struggles because it's the struggles that you grow. That's true. Why do people go to the gym to put, to put struggle on their muscles? That's how muscle grows. You don't go, hey, now I have muscles. No, you always had them. You just develop them. You just grow into them when you allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. doesn't want you to just barely make it. The devil is a liar. It can't be true. I'm believing with you that God has greater things for you this year. I'll say it again. Dreams are from God. Hopes are from God. So I must break. I must start. You know we need to start? Breaking the New England mindset. I don't serve a God in New England. I serve a God of the universe. I serve a God of the universe. Just stay with me. I want to pray for you.